Welcome to evening prayer on March 31st, the Tuesday after the fifth Sunday in Lent, a day on which we do commemorate John Donne, priest and poet. If you uh, were not, if you did not join us this morning, we uh, said a prayer, or sorry, we said a poem by John Donne called A Hymn to God the Father. A hymn to God the Father. So, if you didn't join us this morning, you might go look that up later and read through that. Let us take a moment of silence and begin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us humbly confess our sins to Almighty God. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against your holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done. And apart from your grace, there is no health in us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Spare all those who confess their faults. Restore all those who are penitent according to your promises declared to all people in Christ Jesus our Lord, and grant a most merciful Father for his sake, that we may now live a godly, righteous, and sober life, to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Grant to your faithful people, merciful Lord, pardon and peace, that we may be cleansed from all our sins and serve you with a quiet mind. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. O Lord, open our lips and our mouth shall proclaim your praise. O God, make speed to save us. O Lord, make haste to help us. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Praise the Lord. The Lord's name be praised. O gladsome light, pure brightness of the ever-living Father in heaven, O Jesus Christ, holy and blessed, now as we come to the setting of the sun, and our eyes behold the vesper light, we sing your praises, O God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You are worthy at all times to be praised by happy voices, O Son of God, O giver of life, and to be glorified through all the worlds. The psalm appointed for this evening is Psalm 77. Let us read responsively by half verse. I will cry unto God with my voice. Even unto God will I cry with my voice, and he shall hearken unto me. In the time of my trouble I sought the Lord. My hands were stretched out in the night without rest. My soul refused comfort. When I think upon God, I groan. When I ponder, my spirit grows faint. You hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I consider the days of old. I call to remembrance the years that are past. In the night I commune with my own heart. I meditate and search my spirit. Will the Lord cast me off forever? And will he no more show his favor? Is his mercy gone forever? And has his promise come utterly to an end forevermore? Has God forgotten to be gracious? And will he withhold his loving kindness and displeasure? 
And I said, Has his right hand become weak? Has the hand of the Most High lost its strength? I will remember the works of the Lord, and call to mind your wonders of old time. I will think also of all your works, and my talk shall be of your deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. Who is so great a God as our God? You are the God who does wonders, and have declared your power among the peoples. You have mightily delivered your people, even the sons of Jacob and Joseph. The waters saw you, O God. The waters saw you and were afraid. The depths also were troubled. The clouds poured out water. The skies thundered. And your arrows flashed on every side. The voice of your thunder was heard in the whirlwind. The lightning lit up the world. The earth was moved and shook. Your way was in the sea, and your paths in the great waters. Yet your footsteps were not seen. You led your people like sheep by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. A reading from the book of Proverbs, beginning with the 29th chapter, the first verse. He who is often reproved yet stiffens his neck will suddenly be broken beyond healing. When the righteous increase, the people rejoice, but when the wicked rule, the people groan. He who loves wisdom makes his father glad, but a companion of prostitutes squanders his wealth. By justice a king builds up the land, but he who exacts gifts tears it down. A man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. An evil man is ensnared in his transgression, but a righteous man sings and rejoices. A righteous man knows the rights of the poor. A wicked man does not understand such knowledge. Scoffers set a city aflame, but the wise turn away wrath. If a wise man has an argument with the fool, the fool only rages and laughs, and there is no quiet. Bloodthirsty men hate one who is blameless and seek the life of the upright. A fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. If a ruler listens to falsehood, all his officials will be wicked. The poor man and the oppressor meet together. The Lord gives light to the eyes of both. If a king faithfully judges the poor, his throne will be established forever. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. When the wicked increase, transgression increases, but the righteous will look upon their downfall. Discipline your son, and he will give you rest. He will give delight to your heart. Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. By mere words, a servant is not disciplined, for though he understands, he will not respond. Do you see a man who is hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Whoever pampers his servant from childhood will in the end find him his heir. A man of wrath stirs up strife, and one given to anger causes much transgression. One's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. The partner of a thief hates his own life. He hears the curse but discloses nothing. The fear of man lays a snare 
but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Many seek the face of a ruler, but it is from the Lord that a man gets justice. An unjust man is an abomination to the righteous, but one whose way is straight is an abomination to the wicked. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us res- uh, chant the Magnificat together. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowliness of his handmaiden. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he that is mighty has magnified me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him throughout all generations. He has shown the strength of his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and has exalted the humble and meek. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent empty away. He, remembering his mercy, has helped his servant Israel as he promised to our fathers Abraham and his seed forever. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. A reading from St. Paul's first epistle to St. Timothy, beginning with the third chapter, the first verse. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, nor violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And let them also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. 
for those who serve well as deacons, gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. I hope to come to you soon, but I am writing these things to you so that, if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nation, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us chant the new dimittis together. Lord, now let your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared before the face of all people to be a light to lighten the Gentiles and to be the glory of your people Israel. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Let us pray. Lord, have mercy upon us. Christ, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. O Lord, show your mercy upon us, and grant us your salvation. O Lord, guide those who govern us, and lead us in the way of justice and truth. Clothe your ministers with righteousness, and let your people sing with joy. O Lord, save your people, and bless your inheritance. Give peace in our time, O Lord, and defend us by your mighty power. Let not the needy, O Lord, be forgotten, nor the hope of the poor be taken away. Create in us clean hearts, O God. Almighty God, you alone can bring into order the unruly wills and affections of sinners. Grant your people grace to love what you command and desire what you promise, that, among the swift and varied changes of this world, 
our hearts may surely there be fixed where true joys are to be found. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. O God, our Heavenly Father, you raised up your faithful servant, John Donne, to be a pastor in your church and to feed your flock. Give abundantly to all pastors the gifts of your Holy Spirit, that they may minister in your household as true servants of Christ and stewards of your divine mysteries. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Lighten our darkness, we beseech you, O Lord, and by your great mercy defend us from all perils and dangers of this night. For the love of your only Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Keep watch, dear Lord, with those who work or watch or weep this night, and give your angels charge over those who sleep. Tend the sick, Lord Christ. Give rest to the weary. Bless the dying. Soothe the suffering. Pity the afflicted. Shield the joyous. And all for your love's sake. Amen. I now invite you to offer your intercessions and thanksgivings to God at home. Let us say together the general thanksgiving. Almighty God, Father of all mercies, we, your unworthy servants, give you humble thanks for all your goodness and loving kindness to us and to all whom you have made. We bless you for our creation, preservation, and all the blessings of this life, but above all for your immeasurable love and the redemption of the world by our Lord Jesus Christ, for the means of grace and for the hope of glory. And we pray, give us such an awareness of your mercies that with truly thankful hearts we may show forth your praise, not only with our lips, but in our lives, by giving up ourselves to your service and by walking before you in holiness and righteousness all our days. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory throughout all ages. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. Glory to God whose power working in us can do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. Glory to him from generation to generation in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Well, as we read the second Timothy, oh, first Timothy, <laughs> sorry. As we read the first Timothy chapter three passage, um, that was a challenge to me. The standards for a deacon dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain, holding the mystery of faith with a clear conscience. Managing household well. But I do want to say this. As we see in Scripture various criteria for overseers, for deacons, I would suggest that these standards are not just for clergy, but the, these are standards for everyone. What I would say is the distinction between clergy and lay people is not that there's necessarily a higher standard, but that the standard is the same for all Christians. 
but that the standard is, I suppose, enforced more rigorously. The standard is held more strictly, right? Um, there's, um, you know, just because you break one of these standards doesn't mean you're all of a sudden not a Christian. But if you do break one of these standards, it might mean you're all of a sudden not clergy, right? Now, I welcome any pushback on this, and I might need to revisit this at some point, but. I can't think of a of a standard for clergy in the Bible that um, wouldn't also be a standard for just for any Christian. But um, I th- just think it's held a little more strictly for the clergy. So in other words, I would just implore all Christians to live an exemplary life, all Christians to examine themselves. Um, and, and I have to admit and shame that there are certain sin patterns that I only got serious about when I began the process of ordination. I only got serious about eliminating them when I knew that there was a serious standard that I had to maintain if I were going to be a clergy person. And I would say that that's good. It's a good thing that all of a sudden I... I decided to maybe work a little harder in some areas, but I'm ashamed that I spent the first, you know, however many years of my life just making excuses or uh, not getting serious simply because I knew that that God's grace was there for me and all these different things. I challenge everyone listening, you know, to examine your life and to know that We ought to be so much more concerned with God's judgment than man's judgment. Some of the times where I got serious about sin in my life and fixing it, um, you know, by God's grace, his common grace, it may have been some kind of human institution that I needed to get right for. (laughs) Or, you know, maybe, you know, marriage helped me. Or maybe, um, again, becoming ordained helped me. Or maybe... um, you know, just a, a person's judgment, a family member. I thought, man, I, you know, they've come down on me and they're right. I need to fix this. Like there's all, th- sometimes when we get serious about sin, it's because some human institution, even God ordained institution has, um, is sort of the reason why we decide to get serious about our sin and eliminating out of our lives. But I just beg of you and I beg myself to realize how much more significant God's judgment is on our lives. How much more we should care about pleasing our Heavenly Father, not our earthly father, not our earthly spouse, not our earthly church. All those things are good. It's good to want to please all those things. Don't hear me wrong. And I think God uses those things in our lives sometimes to make us do right. So I'm glad for the ways that human institutions and God-ordained ones help me in certain ways to rid certain sins out of my life. But it's to my shame that I didn't do that earlier out of a sense of God's calling on my life to be a Christian, to be like Christ. That's kind of far afield where this, from where this passage starts out, but I hope that means something to you, that as you examine this list, you can't just simply ignore it, or you can't simply say, well, this is the list I'm going to measure our clergy against. No, you look in the mirror and you say, am I living up to this? Because every Christian is meant to live a Christ-like life. 
I hope that that's not a condemning message. I hope it's an inspiring and encouraging one, encouraging us all to examine our lives. And um, I suppose that this kind of ties in with what I think Reg, uh, Dr. McClellan, might be teaching Sunday school on in a few weeks. He's teaching a book on holiness and that sort of thing. So anyway, maybe this is like a two-week-away segue into that class, that, that series perhaps. Uh, God bless you all. Until in the morning, hope you have a good night.